Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things art-related. This is episode number 98, uh, Talking with Julia Wester, recorded on April 3rd, 2020. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. So, how are you? You mean since the podcast that we recorded two well, hours ago? They, people won't know that, Mom, <laughs> when they listen. You can't tell all the secrets behind the scenes. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so it's true. We do line them up like airplanes a little bit. I've been doing batching, which is a way of working on, uh, sort of like binging on work. So instead of doing a lot of different things every day, you try to do the same thing over and over in sort of a batch order. So we've been batching podcasts today. Um, but it makes it no less exciting that we have a very exciting guest. So Julia Wester is someone who I found on Instagram, I think, I can't remember, it must be a year or two ago, maybe even longer. And I love her feed. I just think it's um, so interesting and full of lots of stuff. So she was a television producer in a past life where she won an Emmy. She's our very first Emmy Award winner ever on the podcast. And after 10 years, she decided she wanted to make more pretty things and she left uh, for the life of a visual content creator and prop stylist, which landed her a job at Ojoy, where she was the creative content director and stylist for the past seven years. So she's a mom of two young kids who, by the way, are both totally adorable. Um, She's a mom to a really cute little dog and she's married to her her husband and they live in LA. So welcome Julia. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. It is my pleasure. So like I said, I follow you on Instagram. I love your stories. I always think that you're so first of all, your kids are adorable. It's fun to see that. You show lots of behind the scenes stuff. You also have a deep love for Justin Timberlake. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. So you do you have been following me pretty closely then if you know that about me. It's true. It's true. Um, and, you know, you. I remember you did a long series in your stories where you talked a lot about losing the baby weight and all of the trials and tribulations of being, you know, a working mama and all that stuff and all stuff that I think is so relatable and so interesting. Well, yes. Well, thank you. Um, you know, it uh, work if working mom is seriously probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done. I mean, aside from just being a mom in general, but like having to, you know, work and be a mom at the same time, it's kind of like two jobs, right? You know, you have like the one, the working one during the day, and then your other job as a mom kind of doesn't end. It's like all day as well, you know, and then you get home and you're still working and it just keeps going and going. It's not kind of like it is two jobs. It is. No, it is. It is two jobs. And then if you count the other jobs that you have, just being a wife, you know, and then like, Doing all the household stuff too. That's just. It's very true. And you know, they say that women do an enormous amount of the emotional labor, even if, you know, men are pitching in like 50% of the time physically nowadays, maybe more. So, like, you're the one who has to remember, you know, where this particular sweatshirt is or who, you know, this one wants to play with or what day the playgroup is on or even, you know, hey, honey, I'm at the store. What should I buy? Right. Right. Well, and especially for, I don't know if you, I mean, I, you know, I just broke my ankle. Uh, four weeks ago, I did something really, well, not dumb. I just kind of like to do adventurous things. And I was um, bouldering, which is indoor rock climbing, but without the harness or the rope. And I um, fell about 15 feet and literally dislocated my ankle, fractured my ankle and fractured my leg. So I had to have surgery. So since that time, I've been recovering and I wasn't able to walk for a really long time because I had surgery and 
I had, it was my right leg, so I couldn't drive. And so my husband had to kind of be mom. And it was just like, he, I think he realizes how much work now after having to do all of that, because I literally was not able to do anything, how much I do. I also find people are writing online that being quarantined at home is making people feel more respect for the at-home parent and probably yeah. also for teachers. Yes, definitely. I do feel that for teachers. Like having to teach my daughter currently right now and you know, she's four, she's in pre-K, so she's going to kindergarten next year, so it's not like having to homeschool any, you know, like a first grader or a fifth grader. So it's but what I have to do with her is just it's so difficult. It's like a fight every day to get her just to write her letters. Something so simple. Well, I was going to say that it's like I have a four-month-old, and so it's a fight to get him to sleep, which I always yeah. laugh hysterically about because I'm like, no, no, I want to sleep. Why don't you want to sleep? Oh, I, I know. Do you just have one ch- one child right now? I do. I do. And is it a boy or a girl? It's a boy. And I still remember somebody saying, like, you think that, you know, two children is going to be not as much, like, twice as hard. But it's, like, 18 times as hard, somebody said. Do you think that's true? I I do, actually. Especially, I mean, the thing is, there's always, there's so many different stages, right? And nothing lasts forever. So it's, like when you hit another milestone, you think it's all going to be, it's going to be great. You know, say six months, they start sitting and it's great. But then you have another set of kind of things that you have to overcome. So it's like, it always changes at every age. And then I have to try to juggle two with their, like I have a four-year-old and then I have my son's almost two. So they're doing totally two different things. And it's like, once I got past the two-year-old stage and the tantrums with my daughter, now she's like, super sassy and has a personality she's about to be five and she knows what she wants and doesn't want and I'm like fighting with her about that and then I'm dealing with my son who's going to be two who's going into the terrible twos and having these tantrums which I look back and remember my daughter's two-year-old tantrums and they were just the hardest thing to deal with that I'm just like not looking forward to it and so you're just always kind of working all the time like I feel like I'm never resting Like, even when I'm asleep at night, I'm not asleep. Yeah, I think, like, that is the vigilance of parenthood is that the – it's just never over. It's never over. There's never a moment when somebody might not need you this second. Yes. But then, like, now my son's almost two and I'm like, oh, you have a four-month-old? Oh, I miss having a baby. I want a baby. You know, (laughs) there's, like – I miss the newborn baby smell. I miss the babies (laughs) that just lay there and coo when they learn how to, like, do their first, like – using their, you know, a spoon and stuff like that. I miss all that because my son's like doing it all now. But then I'm like, no, we're done. We've got two. I'm good. This baby fever will pass. It's okay. You know, but it's like constantly I'm like wanting a baby. Well, I will say like the thing, because of course I'm I'm sort of right in the newborn stage. I guess yeah. he's sort of becoming an infant, I guess you could yeah. say now that he's four months old. But it's like, I remember when I was really in the very beginning stages and everybody was like, oh, hold him tight. He's so cute. Infants are so cute. And I was like, are you insane? This devil baby, you know, is not. But it does, it does fade because now all I feel is warm little, oh, he's so sweet. I want to cuddle him. Yeah, I know. And they grow so, they change so fast every single day. Yes. That's like, even when it was super hard for me, like my husband's like, I don't remember any of this because it was so hard for him. Like, you know, 
when you can't sleep and you know babies are difficult but every single time that it got difficult for me I was like you know what they change so fast that no matter how frustrated I am and how sleep deprived I am and how hard it is like I have to remember this moment in your face at this time because it's not going to be like this tomorrow which is so crazy how quickly they change do you I was wondering if you have any guidelines that you use for yourself with what you feature about your kids in your social media and whether that has changed as the kids have gotten older? Um, I, I never wanted to show them in vulnerable places, you know, like I never did bath time. That was a big no-no for me. Um, I always make sure they're like clothed. I don't really do diapers with them. Um, right now, you know, my daughter's getting older where she kind of like knows what I'm doing and she's almost mimicking it sometimes. Like she'll like play, like she has a fake phone and she's doing stories. So I kind of have to rethink how much I show her now. I mean, I don't have a problem with showing my family and my life and my kids, um, to a certain extent, you know, I'm always aware of what I'm, I'm showing of them. Like usually I don't. Like when I was working with um, at Ojoy, you know, five days a week, full time, I didn't really show much of my kids during the week. It was mainly just like me at work. And then I would show whatever we did on the weekend. So I try not to show too much of them. Um, yes, they're a part of me and my feed and my life. But I think it's more about me sharing what I do creatively. So it's always going to be just maybe like if 50% of what I share. I think somebody wants to, uh, yeah, go ahead, mom. Sorry. I noticed that you've already changed a little bit from what your pre-baby philosophy was. Yeah. Well, I think pre-baby, I was very much like, I don't want to share anything, you know, personally, probably because, you know, it's like, I never shared a lot of things about my relationship and stuff. Like my feed is pretty strictly art and art related, but I think that changed after I had him just because you know he's such a major part of my life it would be it would feel insincere to never have him be a part of any of that stuff because he's omnipresent you know um and so I think that now I just am a little more protective I I think like you said Julia about I never want him when he's 18 to look back and find anything embarrassing on the internet since we know the internet lives forever so I kind of subscribe to the philosophy that um, like Elsie Larson of A Beautiful Mess does where she says yes my kids throw tantrums yes my kids have meltdowns yes 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 but I don't show it because why would I embarrass them that way yeah yeah me too like I don't show that and I know for some people they're like oh but it doesn't seem so real. Your kids look so perfect. It's like, no, I talk about it. It's just like, I don't think I need to show them when they're screaming. You know, everybody knows that that's what happens. But like, would you want to see yourself crying or upset about something that somebody shot and posted it on Instagram? Probably not. I agree. You know, it's it's hard. I think some people don't always think of their children as people who are going to grow up and have to deal with the, you know, sort of like trail that you've left behind. They right. feel more like sort of an appendage and you think of it as an extension of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But let us actually talk about what, because you mentioned, obviously, what you do creatively. You have a hashtag that I really like. Uh, Julia does work. Yes. Um, which is very Story. fun. And hashtag. I'll tell you the funny story of how I even started in the first place. Um, because working at Ojoy, 
I mean, I was there for seven years. A lot of the times it wouldn't look like I was actually working <laughs> because we would have like so much fun, you know, and it's like my job was not a type of job where I'd sit at a computer all day long and answer emails. Like I was never in one place at one time. I didn't even literally have a desk. Like I would just be up and about. I could sit anywhere and do work anywhere. And a lot of times it had to do with playing with pretty things, shopping, you know, getting inspiration. So that hashtag came because it was Julia does work like I actually do work and then Julia does work. If that makes sense. Oh, interesting. I only ever read it the second way. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the joke is that I actually. Tell me what Ojoy was. So Ojoy is a lifestyle brand. Um, Joy Cho runs Ojoy, and she started as a blogger in 2015. But she was also a graphic designer, so she has products that she um that we made um one of our big clients was target so we had a, a huge line there a party line and a home decor line so um the difference with her is um as far as her being different than other bloggers is that she was also a designer so we had products that we made that were ojoy products so we would collaborate with different brands you know we had a, a line and she still does now with Sikai run the kids shoes um, we had, you know, um, like I mentioned, Target. Um, there's planners with Erin Condren that are Ojoy Design planners. So um, working with her, it was a lot. A lot of things that I did were, you know, she had a blog, so it was five days a week. So everything that was on the blog that was creative, if it was um, a DIY or a styled how-to style your living room blog, that was done by me. If um, we had products that we just collaborated with somebody on, say it was the planners with Erin Condren and we needed to shoot the products um, for social for launch, I would um, plan those large photo shoots for those. So um, any social media photos on Instagram, um, I styled and created. I did a lot of um, production for a lot of her um, videos that we used to shoot a a lot of. We used to do a lot of videos more than we do now, but we haven't done them in a while, but those I would do. So I pretty much handled all of the creative aspects of that company for her. So let's talk about that just as a uh, idea, handling the creatives, especially, I mean, Ojoy is literally tied up in her name. So you're handling the creative for somebody whose brand is kind of her. Right. Yeah. How, how does that work? Um, so it's kind of evolved since the time that I've been there because I've been there for seven years so in the beginning it was a lot of just her and anything that I did was like if we shot anything and needed a model in it it was always joy just because people knew joy and nobody knew who I was yet at that point then it got to the point where you know she started hiring employees so I was able to kind of be a part of it a little bit more because people kind of knew who I was and that I worked for her so um it evolved a little bit but it was it does get kind of not difficult, but a little weird because Oh Joy is her has her name in it, you know. So when I was doing all that stuff for her, um, and after a while, it was fine because people kind of knew that she didn't actually really do all of the. She didn't style the living room scenes, you know. She knew that everybody knew that I did it. Um, in the beginning, it was kind of a hard transition to kind of get that. But I think after seven years and people knowing that she had employees and I was working for her, that it kind of got easier for people to kind of 
be open to somebody else kind of doing those things. Let's talk about styling as an idea. So for people who aren't familiar with it, like how would someone who's a stylist be different than someone who's like an interior designer? Right. They kind of are the same in a way. Um, Cause I've actually done a lot of um, another part of what I do is I do a lot of, um, online digital style guides for people that are, you know, not not generally in LA and just kind of want like an online kind of guide to redo their living room. I've done a lot of those too for people and that's kind of the interior design um, side of it. And they're, I feel like they are pretty similar because styling a room generally is the same as interior designing a room. So there isn't really much difference, at least in my mind. Okay. I was going to say, but the styling that you're doing for Ojoy, like you guys are repainting those walls like every week, it seems like, and re, you know what I mean, like putting it out. So it's more of like for a photo or film shoot, it's just more like interior design quickly or like a corner of something as opposed to like an overall space in a more sort of permanent way. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we did turn around a lot quickly and it's a smaller space. Like we would shoot twice a week. So I would have, we would have to like set something up. Like we sometimes would have like a day to do it or two days to do it. Whereas interior design, you have more time. You kind of work on a, like a longer um, time frame to be able to find pieces that, you know, people really want. For us, what we had to do was it was so quick that it was just like, we had like a prop room. I don't know if you've probably seen in some of the stories that was gigantic and huge that had everything that I ever wanted in it. So styling is a little bit easier because it's kind of like a one-off thing and it's just like a quick shoot and it's not a full house it's like a corner of a room and maybe a wall so interior design is i think since it's more permanent and for people specifically to fit their style and needs that that definitely takes more time and work so then let's talk about the online digital style guide what what is that um, so I'm, there are a lot of um, companies that are doing it now. I do it personally. People have reached out to me. It wasn't something that I started wanting to do, um, but a lot of people started reaching out to me via Instagram asking if that's something I would do, and it just turned into something that I that is that I love because it's like styling, but it's actually forced somebody to be somebody's home to actually live in, which is nice because all the styling that I've done, you know, nobody lives there. It's just for a photo, and then, then it gets torn down and redone again. Um, so what I do is, um, if say you have a living room that you've been wanting to redo for a long time, but can't really figure out how to get your Pinterest board, you know, you have a Pinterest board, but turned it into real life. So I work with people and we do, I start off with like a FaceTime call just to kind of get an idea of what your style is. We, um, put a Pinterest board together. You sh- or if you have one already, you share it with me. And I kind of do all the online virtual shopping for you. And I put in a little like um, Google Doc slide digital guide. I like to call it a style guide. And it has multiple options. So if you want to do a living room and you needed a new couch, I'd give you three options for a couch, you know, and I'd curate it all and I'd put it, lay it out so you can kind of see how it would look in your home. And if you wanted wall colors, I put those in and I kind of work with what your style is and what you like and kind of curate this whole virtual digital room for you. 
it almost sounds like on HGTV where those designers usually come in and they're like, well, here are your three tile choices and here are your this and people have um, choices, but it's like within a limited range, which makes it easier. Yes, yes. And you literally can just sit on your couch and then you just wait for me to curate it and then I put a bow on it and I send it to you. (laughs) So how did you, I mean, obviously you just said this is something you didn't plan and this is not something you were originally interested in. So will you take us through the, um, how did you go from, you know, winning an Emmy into sending people personalized style guides? Like what is that, what is that journey? I know it's, it's, I feel like I've had like two different lives because if I totally did something totally different seven years ago. So I actually, that's what I, I wanted to be a TV producer. So when I graduated from college and I, and I was looking for a job, I was looking in reality TV and I did a lot of different reality TV shows for 10 years. I was working in TV and that's where I met my husband because he works in TV now. So, I mean, I was producing reality TV shows. You know, I did a season of Survivor. I've done the real world road rules. I did like toddlers and tiaras, uh, HGTV shows, and then I did like some Food Network shows. Um, it got to a point where, you know, TV is grueling. You know, it was 12 hour days. I met my husband, we were dating at the time, and he was working 12 hour days too. And we knew we wanted to get married, and it wasn't something that I was passionate about anymore because I'm more creative and I like to do, you know, I like to paint and do creative things and make things that I just felt like being a TV producer wasn't fulfilling for me anymore. So while I was planning my wedding, my husband, and I was wrapping up on a show, my husband was like, you know what, you should just take this time instead of trying to find your next gig, plan our wedding, see if there's something else that you want to do while you're planning this and being creative that you might like better. So while I was planning my wedding, I actually reached out to a, a wedding coordinator and I was like, listen, I know you're probably not hiring, I will come and work for free just to kind of get an idea of this is what I want to do. And then she said yes. And I went and I worked a few weddings with her. Her name was Jessie Hack. And she's great. I'm still in touch with her now. She's in Costa Mesa. And um, she, I worked a few weddings with her. And I really liked being crafty like that and like just making things and kind of event planning. That was super fun for me. And through that, I kind of found joy. So then I found Joy and I reached out to her and she was actually starting to hire employees at the time and she was looking for an assistant and then she was looking for a production assistant and and like an executive assistant. So I actually originally applied for the executive assistant job because of my producer experience. I thought that I would be able to do that job more because I haven't had experience in the other um, kind of arts and, and kind of like the a creative assistant that she was looking for. I thought that it'd probably be easier for me to get a job as her executive assistant. So when I applied for the job, I remember her emailing me and she was like, why did you apply for this job, not the other one? I feel like you'd be better as my creative assistant than my executive assistant. So then I was like, okay, well then I'll apply for the other one. So in the beginning, she didn't want to hire me because she's like, look, this is not a job that, I can really pay that well. It's more of somebody who's literally just looking for their first job. I don't know if this will be something that you want to do. I don't know if a part-time job is is what I can hire you for. And I think that you're way overqualified for this job. And at that time, I was like, 
yeah, I probably am overqualified for this job, but I want to change and I know I would do a really good job and I would probably be the best employer that you could find for this job. So you should just give me a chance. And I've never, ever done that before. Like she literally was like, she actually hired somebody else. And then I went back to her and I was like, listen, you need to hire me that I know that I can do this and I'd be the best person that you would hire. And I've never been that confident about getting a job in my entire life, which was so crazy that I actually did that at this moment because it ended up being a job that I started as her assistant and then turned it into something where I was her creative content director and stylist for the next seven years. So how how did that change happen? Like, did it just happen slowly or was there a day? Did you say like, listen, this is what I think I should do. Or was she like, I think we should change what you do. Um, Me turning. Okay. So what happened was I was, so it started as a part-time job. And the, the weird thing is when I started with her, because she actually hired somebody else before she hired me, I ended up taking a TV job. And then she, it didn't work out with the person she hired. And she came back to me and she said, listen, do you want this job? And I said, I already took a job. So I don't, I mean, I can't just not do this TV gig. That was an eight week gig. So what happened was I ended up going into the Ojoy studio an hour, three days a week before I'd go into my TV job. For, for like the next eight weeks, which is crazy. And then once I finished my TV job and I was working part-time for her, um, I kind of just took the initiative. It was, I remember exactly when it happened and when, I, when she realized that I could start styling things for her was we were doing a blog post with Office Depot and we needed to set up a desk scene. And she was busy on a call doing something and I kind of just said, you know what, let me try to do it. And she was like, okay. So then I did it and I made the desk and she got off her call and looked up and she was like, oh, you can actually do this. And I said, yeah, I can totally style. So then from that point on, it was just like became my part of my job. And then eventually along the way, you know, she realized that she could trust me. So all the creative content that was on the blog, I didn't have to run it by her anymore. I kind of just knew what to do and I just ran with it and she and the great thing about Joy is that she trusted me enough to let me just run with it and do what I wanted to do with it. So let's talk about being um, a creative content director. Do you um, are you a person who works then like a month out, six weeks out, a week out? Like how far out are you planning things? At Oh Joy, it depends if it was a sponsored um, blog post that we do with um, another brand that we had a date for it, then it'd be like a week out or maybe a month out. But usually if it's blog content, which I was doing a lot of because the blog was five days a week, sometimes I'd go in on a Monday and I wouldn't know what I was shooting on that Tuesday or that Friday. Wow. I would just like create it. I'd be like, okay, we need a blog content. What are we going to do? And I would just. So would you be looking to trends for where you were going to get your ideas? Would you be thinking about like holidays or what should we do? Or is it more like what's interesting to you right at this moment? Or where, where, how are you just sort of coming in on Tuesday then with something to do? I know. I know. It sounds crazy. (laughs) Usually it's, um, trends or you know a lot of times I was never not working like if I was out with my kids and we were doing something the nice thing about working there was I could literally do a blog post on anything so if I was with my kids and we were out somewhere and we I had an idea for oh this would be a great idea to do for a craft with a kid you know then I'd jot it down I'm like okay that's something we're gonna do or if I was in the shower I'd be like oh I really want to style a room for 
a nursery theme uh, under the sea room, then I would just do it. But a lot of times if I came in on Monday and we didn't have anything set up, um, I would just think of what's something easy that I could style that maybe people would be interested in or haven't seen before. So your photos so, are beautiful for OJ. I should say if people haven't seen them, they're full of lots of color and, you know, they're very bright and fun. Do you Did you develop a style guide for, like, what Ojoy looks like as opposed to any other, you know, work that you might do? Yes. She, yeah, Ojoy is very, you know, bold, bright, whimsical colors. You know, so I knew, you know, there are certain colors that Ojoy isn't, and red was one of them at the time, and purple was one of them at the time, but now she likes purple now. So <laughs> now I brought purple in, which was funny story. Purple was my favorite color before I started there, and it's always a joke that it no longer became my favorite color because I was never allowed to use it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of would... I could I knew exactly what her style was and what it what wasn't and it's it's very specific and I know what after working with her and knowing her for so long I kind of can do it with with my eyes closed you know with her aesthetic it's very like right now it's it's fun and it's a little bit of um it's a very whimsical was kind of our thing that we used and saw bright bold colors and a lot of patterns and mixing patterns um which she does really well and it was kind of learning that, um, you know, different scale patterns that you mix together just look good together versus, you know, you can't do, you have to do a large scale pattern with a small scale pattern. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. It but does, yeah. because, I mean, I think it's an interesting question because obviously now, so Joy has changed her business, right? Um, right. And she has uh, essentially like shut down the space and, you know, uh, wished her employees well is my understanding. Um, so you're moving now into a freelance space and I assume that you're now going to have to do client work for all sorts of clients that might have different looks and not an oh joy yep. look. And so it's, right. it, that's sort of an interesting thing since now it's so in your bones of how to have an I, oh joy look. Yeah. And that's the, that's what I'm, I'm working on now is that, you know, just because, I mean, cause I was there for seven years, so just a long time, um, I knew her aesthetic so well, but does it mean that that's the only aesthetic that I do? And I think that that's what I'm I'm trying to work on is that, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people that that's not the, a bright and colorful is not all I, I can do. You know, I can do obviously with anything. When you have a client, you have to do what they want, right? So if somebody doesn't want bright and colorful, then I don't do bright and colorful. Just because I've been doing it for seven years doesn't mean that I can't do anything else. It just, it's actually harder to do bright and colorful than to do something more simple and muted, you know? Because so, there's so many colors that might clash? Yes, exactly. Like trying to put colors together that not won't work, that might not work. And also with trying to work with patterns, like she mm. was like different types of patterns. Like it wasn't just like only dotty. We would mix in like like floral and stripes, you know? And a lot of people have a hard time with doing that because it's hard to do well. Otherwise it starts just to look like a modge podge of like a crazy mess, you know, if not done well. It's true. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a part of me for seven years because it's what I did. 
And for the most part, I liked it. It's not my my personal style. I do love color too, but not that to that full extent. I was like, like I like a little pops of color here and there. In my personal style, I was gonna say I'm I'm teaching or I'm working on a class right now, an online class that's all about working with a limited palette. And one of the things is that when you work with fewer colors, it really is so much easier. I know that people always want to sort of work with all the colors, but it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise it just turns into this, like, it's like when you mix up, mix all the colors together, right? It turns into this brown mess. I feel like that that's what can happen sometimes if you just don't, if you just try to mix in too many colors and, like, complementing different colors is kind of not the easiest thing for people yeah. to do. Well, it actually, it's kind of a nice metaphor. If we talk about now moving into your future and what you're kind of looking down at, there there is a thing when you're a freelancer where it's like you sort of have to diversify like a stock portfolio. And so you have this tendency to want to sort of do all the colors, right? I do these 12 things. And the fact of the matter is, at least what I found as a freelancer, is you kind of have to say, no, no, I'm going to do these three things really well. <laughs> And those yeah. are gonna that's gonna be my palette, so to speak, that I'm working with. Right. Right, right. And then that's also yeah, and that was kind of like the well, it's still a transition for me now, just because at Ojo I did so many different things. You know, I was I, I produced videos, you know, I did a lot of DIYs, you know, um, I planned events, I styled photos, you know, I did so many different things there that I kinda now being freelance had to kind of just narrow it down to be like, these are the two things that I'm focusing on and that's it you so know here's a question now that you're looking at sort of a new version of your career you're you're getting we could say the seven-year itch reinventing yourself again yeah um I'm just curious as to why you made the choice so you are now a freelance prop stylist and um content a creative content director right is that sort of right. what you're billing yourself as yeah. And now my question is, did it ever, did you ever cross your mind to maybe become a blogger and sort of do what you were doing for Ojoy, but for yourself with your own style and brand? You know, it's funny you ask that because of now what's going on with the uh, stay at home orders and stuff. I've had a lot of time. I do have a lot of time. I could do that. And I've thought about it and just trying to keep myself creative right now and trying to figure out what my next move is that, you know, I do, I did have a lot of projects that I wanted to do around my house. And I was like, okay, well, if I did these projects around my house, I could essentially blog about them, you know, so then I have content of, you know, showing what I'm doing. And especially now, because it's kind of like, you kind of have to create your own content. I don't know if you felt that way now with what's going on that you kind of have to just like, yeah, we're all stuck at home. We all, people are yeah. desperate for content. And yeah, you like, have to find a way within the four walls of your house to say, hey, this is interesting. Yes. So I thought about that, actually. You know, there, there are three actually good projects that I want to do in my house. So I was like, instead of just doing them and, not, and that's it, I could essentially myself and my husband here shoot it and then show a pro the progress of it. Cause I want to redo my bedroom and I'm redoing my garage and trying to turn it into a studio mm -hmm. and show the pro process of it. And I, you know, I did like a poll on Instagram to see if anybody would be interested. And people obviously are interested because you know, what are, what else are we doing right now? You know, besides watching Netflix and Hulu, it's Instagram, right? That's all we have to kind of like just. Well, it's connection with other people. And I think the fact that 
you are born at home, it's like you want to know how other people, we've never all been so the same is I guess the way that I would put it. Like we've never all been doing the same thing, AKA sitting at home. So it's Mm -hmm. like you're looking to see how are other people spending this time. And I think that Instagram tends to be an aspirational platform as opposed to Facebook, which I think is more sort of like in the weeds of daily life. So I think it's like, people want to see, oh, you made this amazing handmade teepee and I love watching it come together. I'm never going to make that, but I'm really glad I saw you do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What kind of studio are you thinking of um, building in your garage? An art studio, a styling studio, a photo studio? Um, Probably a photo studio. I mean, my plan is I'd love to, my goal after leaving Joy was, um, I mean, obviously, we would shoot everything in-house there. We had everything. We shot everything in-house. Any products that we did that we launched, we shot them in-house. So I have the, I know how to do that. So now that I don't have that space, I wanted to turn my garage into if, you know, especially now, if people wanted a remote stylist or remote styling for any of their products or anything like that, people could just send products to me. I would have studio to shoot in for like any flat flat lay products obviously um in my home so, so that's my let's talk about flat lays yes so flat lays have are i think a very oft talked about thing particularly in the diy uh world also i think like food and stuff gets it too but essentially for people who don't know what a flat lay is will you just tell us um, basically it's like, um, a, a shot of any product or anything really. It doesn't have to be a product. It could be food or whatever, just in like a small space with like a little background. It could be like a piece of wood even or a piece of paper. It'll be, it's kind of crazy for people who don't know where you can actually shoot a flat light is literally anywhere. It's just a small little space that you shoot any tabletop product. And the goal, that, of course, is to make it look like incredibly fun and appetizing. And I know on your website, you have a lot of examples of flat lays, certainly in the prop styling area, where we can see it's like, you know, a pretty background and then something really cute. And for um, people who uh, follow a lot of artists and stuff, there are some artists, you know, who will just put out like their sketchbook as it is on their table. And then there's some people who will then stage their sketchbook. So they have the cup of coffee and the few right. pastels with it broken in such a way and the little, you know, succulent off to the side. And it's like, that's that kind of beautiful styling is something that really gets people excited. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I do a lot of those. So that's my plan is to be able to have that studio, in my garage, that space to shoot those flat lays. That's exciting. Especially now, you know, since we're not supposed to be near anybody, you know, there's still like work to be done. And I just want to kind of let people know that we can still do the things that we do and make these pretty photos in a different way remotely. And so that's my plan is to start doing that as long as this, I don't know, hopefully this isn't last too long, but. We'll see. I keep hearing 18 months that we're all going to be at home, but we'll see. Yeah, I miss, I miss like, you know, being able to just get in my car and go somewhere, you know, and human interaction, to be honest, and working with people physically in person. Are the kids going crazy in the house? No, they aren't because I don't think they really No, My daughter wakes up every day and asks if she's going to school. 
And I tell her no, and she's happy about it. She doesn't miss going to school. I think she likes spending the time with us all day, mm. which, which is great for her. I'm so glad she loves spending the time with me all day, but I miss my break. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. But, you know, I mean, I'm just exhausted. And just having just having to be to like, like I need to do other things, too. I got to be creative, too, and it's hard to do when I have to homeschool my daughter and then I have my two-year-old son, you know, and the thing with us is like my husband actually has been home with me the whole time before this happened because uh, he he needed to take care of me. I wasn't able to do anything with my broken ankle. So we've been together every single day now for um, five weeks. So... It's it's a lot. I love my husband, but you know we don't work together. Like we had time to go right. way during the day, but now it's like we've been together every single day for five weeks, and then the last two weeks we had the kids with us. So it's been a lot. It's it's crazy. Absolutely, they're expecting the that there's going to be uh, a lot of divorces <laughs> when this thing is over, because you may not have been spending this much time with your spouse, and all of a sudden. You're now watching every detail. Well, you know, this is actually what happens a lot of times when uh, in sort of an older, a more traditional relationship sense when like men would retire from their work and Mm. then suddenly they would be home all day and the people would be like, wait, I don't like it when you're home all day. And, you know, and that would lead to a lot of uh, issues. You know, and then also it's like you don't really get the break of, you know, like you know, my husband actually is a likes to he's a bike rider so he gets to go an hour a day and he can ride his bike outside because that's fine to go and go out for a jog or go ride a bike but for me I'm not really a bike rider so my my outlet is usually I'll go and get my nails done you know or I'll go do something like that or I'll go run to Target because I love Target but I haven't been able to do either of those things especially like you know now I'm able to walk again but when I had my broken ankle I was stuck on the couch or super stinks. Four weeks, which was just horrible. Yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about recommendations. Since I, since we've all, we're all been home, I'm sure that we've been thinking about stuff that we're enjoying. Um, Mom, what is your recommendation today? Okay, so the Getty Art Museum has, uh, of course, they're closed, but they've been encouraging people to reproduce some famous piece of art. At first, I think it was supposed to be a piece of art in the Getty, but it no longer has to be. And you were supposed to use three objects, but they don't hold to that. Actually, some of the best reproductions are are people who dress up in certain ways or even have their pets. I I remember there's a Madonna and child in which the child is suspiciously furry. And uh, if you go to the, first, if you go to the Getty page on the internet, there's the instructions for this. But I don't think you really have to be bound by anything. And then there's a hashtag. One is called Between Art and Quarantine, all one word, uh, for Instagram and uh, there's also one in German because I think this comes from a German museum, which I won't pronounce, but we'll put the link on uh, the page. And I really feel like people have taken this 
and gone to some very, very creative lengths to reproduce the art. And it's quite funny. And who couldn't use a laugh nowadays? Oh. I always like it when they show, uh, there's this thing, uh, there's an account I follow called I Have This Thing With Museum Photos. And they often show people sort of recreating or posing with like their doppelgangers and paintings, which is always kind of fun. Julia, what's your pick? Um, well, I have two, actually. So, um, Trisha Zemp on Instagram, she's a stop-motion artist. She actually gave, I think it was last week, where um, she does, like, a stop-motion class for um, um, kids. And I love stop-motion. I do a lot of it in my my work. And I was like, yeah, that'd be actually kind of fun to do with my daughter and see if she would like it. And so she offered a free class and you were able to sign up and she gave you the code for a stop motion class for it to do with kids. And I actually downloaded it and did it with my daughter the other day and she loved it. It was so easy to do with her. She's four. So I didn't think that it, I thought it'd be kind of difficult for her to do, but it actually wasn't. And the way that she um, teaches the class online and kind of explains it is really great. And it was so easy for her to understand. And so we literally spent the whole day doing stop motion with Lego. That's and awesome. my daughter it was so fun. And I had so much fun because it was me being creative and doing something that I used to do, which I haven't done in a while. So it was really fun kind of doing that, um, those videos with her. And that's Trisha Zen? Trisha Zemp. Z-E-M-P is her name. And her, hash, her handle is just Trisha Zemp. T-R-I-S-H-A-Z-E-M-P. Cool. On yeah, she's cool. You know, a lot of things are appearing which are ostensibly to, to entertain your child who's stuck at home, but that I think would be very interesting for adults, and that sounds like one of them. Yes, it is. I mean, if you ever were interested in kind of, I mean, how it works or how to do it, it was so easy. Like, I just downloaded an app on my phone that she um, recommended to download, and I just set it up, and it was so easy, and it was super fun. And what's your second pick? Um, so my second one is, so my good girlfriend is actually a um, career life coach, which during this time, it kind of helped me to kind of work with her a lot to kind of figure out what my next move was and what I wanted to do and how to utilize social media and doing live videos. She's really big on on using live videos to promote your brands and to kind of um, get your brand out there. So... Um, her name is Dom Anders, and um, she she has a she has a course actually that's called Get Set Get Ready Go Live, which kind of teaches you the um, how to use live video and the importance of using it to help promote your brand. So that's been really helpful for me during this time. So I think that it's probably helpful for a lot of people to kind of just go on and just check her out. And um, she's great and she's wonderful and can't say more wonderful things about her. Very cool. Um, my pick is a something that I had uh, relegated to a drawer but dragged out during this uh, quarantine time. It's uh, We Are Memory Keepers is the brand. It's called the Fuse Tool. 
And essentially, it's basically like a little heat tool that has a ruler on the end. And so you can use it to seal plastic of all kinds. So for instance, you can take an eight and a half by 11 page protector and divide it into sections. So you can put photos or paintings or whatever, and then section that area off and then put like a memento or confetti or whatever into the next section and then sort of section it off. And it has a very professional little um, heat seal. And it's a cute way of I've been doing some scrapbooking and stuff and it's just a really nice way of keeping that I've also been doing some color wheels because I'm teaching this um, limited palette class and I've been keeping all of my samples of my tints tones and shades in sort of divided protectors so it's called the fuse tool it's lots of fun you plug it in and it gets hot so it's, Ooh, it's that's, a good time that sounds fun it is it's very yeah. fun so julia if people would like to um follow you where's the best place to find you instagram instagram at uh, julia sir wester and if people would like to work with you how would they go about um contacting you about that um, Instagram as well. I have like, a, you can contact me, DM, DM me there, or email me directly. My email is connected to Instagram as well. Perfect. Yeah. And mom, nobody can find you. We know that. <laughs> Under a rock here. <laughs> that isn't, that must be, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, what I want to do that? Just get off of Instagram and see what that's like. You like being anonymous, don't you, mom? I do, and I mostly use Instagram to hop around and watch what my kids are doing, you know. So, but uh, what I find is that it's actually, it becomes a job to post things. Yes. And then your standards for what you're posting should be getting higher. And so, after a while, it just becomes uh, an irritant to me. <laughs> it's the same thing. I don't use Facebook. And one of the main reasons I don't use it, aside from not wanting to be contacted, is that you're always having to groom the page. And again, it's another job. I was going to say, this is actually, this is Julia's job, in fact, is grooming all of right. these photos. I mean, you can, <laughs> I can hardly keep a plant, a house plant alive, you know, much less a Facebook page. I know. I, I feel that way to something I'm like, what if I stopped grooming for one day? But I think it's in me that I just need to do it. Mm -hmm. I could not do it. Like, I've tried to be like, okay, I'll be off it for a day. I just can't. It's just like, it's in me. I, I think it would be like not brushing your teeth. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like yeah. you could say to yourself, I'm not going to brush my teeth. It's not like I'm going to die from one day of not brushing my teeth. But then I think you would sort of the whole day kind of be like, I didn't brush my teeth this morning. I didn't brush my yeah. teeth this morning. Very true. That's exactly how it is. Well, you know, the, somebody wrote a, a post this week which said that she does not like jigsaw puzzles. That's one of the things that people are turning to in this quarantine time because she views it as just unpaid labor for someone else. With, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. And, and in a way, that's what I feel about having to groom all these social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just say that your legend precedes you, Mom, and that's enough. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, as always, you can find me at juliebalzer.com or on Instagram as Balzer Designs, and we'd love to hear from you. So, please send us an email or leave a comment. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or mention us on Facebook or Instagram because that helps other people find the show. So, thanks so much for listening and subscribing. We'll see you the next time. 
on the Adventures in Arting podcast. Mm-hmm.